Hi everybody and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today we're going to talk about this idea that men have where they're like women want to change men after marriage, blah blah. Yeah, blah, blah, because men want the same thing from women, just in a different way. So we will dive into that. And first, I have to tell you to subscribe. I have cool episodes coming out, episodes that are out already, episodes on uh, why your wife feels so overwhelmed, uh, episodes on sex, episodes on everything. So anyway... um, So whenever, and this is like just zooming back for a second, whenever you hear one gender vilify another gender for doing something that the first gender, quote, never does, unless it's like pee standing up or, you know, like have an XY chromosome or XX chromosome, you know, like, I mean, it's bullshit. And you got to kind of understand that when you're consuming a digital media that if if you fall down rabbit holes where there is like one gender that's being vilified for like some like global human personality thing like idealization of a potential spouse then like you know that's both genders like it's always both genders and I'm the biggest proponent of like there are real gender differences but they are not that macro like there it isn't like just all guys are jealous and controlling or all women are jealous and controlling. They're jealous and controlling of both. There's preoccupied attachment and avoidant attachment of both. There's people who struggle with self-esteem of both genders. So, you know, in, in this situation, the reason and that's, that's, it could be its own, uh, not just podcasts, its own book, obviously, but forgetting that for a second, the way that that is relevant to this particular topic is like a lot of men are saying, oh, men are just happy with the woman that they're with when they got married. They don't want her to change. Women, on the other hand, want men to get more domestic and care about chores and care about keeping a clean house. And why would he? Because he didn't care about that stuff before marriage. Listen, good point. Like totally, like it's very hard for a man to change. It's also though not dissimilar from how men say, and I hear it with my own ears, I thought that after marriage she would grow warmer, she would open up sexually, she would try new things, she would be more adventurous, etc., etc., etc. So both males and females, so all human beings, fantasize that a partner will change after marriage. Sometimes um, it, it makes a lot of sense to hope this because you yourself projecting from yourself so a woman starts out usually wanting her apartment or whatever to look kind of nicer on average than a male gives a shit about his apartment on average but after having a kid or getting together and getting married she cares then even more about keeping the house nice so that people can come over so that she can you know feel proud of where she lives so that she's not all cluttered and whatever Clutter, by the way, is is an individual difference because research shows that women actually are more affected. Their mental health is more negatively affected by clutter, interestingly. But um, so so basically the woman thinks, okay, I cared a little bit about my apartment before marriage. Now I care super much about my house. So even if he didn't care about his apartment at all to the point that it was a hovel before marriage, he too will progress along this spectrum and he will care more about his house than he did about his apartment. And quite honestly, a lot of times 
sometimes this does happen. You know, it's a home ownership sort of thing. The guy clicks into whatever he saw his dad do. Even if he really didn't give a shit about his apartment, he does change and grow more domestic. So that does happen sometimes. So it isn't like a fool's errand to think that somebody will change in some level as they mature and grow as a human being. But to think that they're ever going to get up to the same level that you're at if you had pre-existing differences in how much you valued something, that is setting yourself up to fail. Now let's look at the other side, the side about men. Like men are like, well, you know, like I have all these hobbies and I was always going to. It's like ridiculous that she thinks that I'm not going to have these hobbies after we have a baby. Well, okay, like sure. But then again, people do stop some of their hobbies after they have a child. You just don't have so many hours in the day. But anyway, where men then go awry is to not empathize by not thinking of the ways that they hoped that their partner would change or and this is like a real mind bender, or not change, which is just as stupid. (laughs) So even if the man did marry somebody and thought, this, you know, this 28-year-old girl, she loves to go jet skiing, to go have fun, to do this and that. She is always going to be like this. She's never going to turn into her mother who mostly likes to, you know, work and take care of her kids. You know, never because we are in the twilight zone where she never ages. So like that's just as stupid as the woman thinking that the man's going to change on a dime is for the woman to man think that the woman's never going to change. So that's interesting in and of itself. But what I'm talking about is an even bigger, more obvious analogy of when I see many males say, okay, well, she doesn't want to do this and that kind of sex thing before marriage but as we grow together as she really opens up to me when she finally feels like secure and committed that's when she's really going to open up both emotionally and sexually and this is usually when men are with more avoidant women I have my podcast on avoidant wives that you could listen to so when men who are more preoccupied attachment go back to the attachment theory podcast these are subscriber ones Um, When men who are with more avoidant women who themselves are more preoccupied get married, they think that the woman is going to grow even closer to them. No, she's not. She's the same woman as before. She's the same woman that was making excuses while you were dating for why you guys weren't doing anal or whatever it is that you wanted to do. It's not like she's going to open up and do that shit afterwards when her sex drive biologically drops. That's just as crazy as her thinking that the man's going to turn into Martha Stewart when he has a ring on his finger. No. So while all people generally do become more home and family oriented as they grow and evolve and have children. Most healthy people do start to focus more on their family than themselves. That is a main effect. But that main effect is is only works on the pre-existing personality trait. So you could get a guy who wanted to go to the gym every day before he had kids and now he wants to go four times a week or five times a week. You're not going to get a guy who wants to go zero times a week and just focus on his family. But similarly, if a woman was a little bit like kind of anxious before marriage, let's say, she's going to be real anxious after kids. You know, it's not like, and and interestingly, what guys think is that it goes the other way. Oh, by virtue of hanging out with me, I'm going to like make her more laid back. I'm going to, you know, be kind of this influence on her to have more fun. 
Hell no. That's just as much of a crazy fantasy as for her to think that you're going to grow more domestic. So what do you do with this information? It's not to self-flagellate. Boy, I really should have understood that people don't change to that level. What it is is to empathize with your partner. So if, so, so you can really take this full throttle. So if you're somebody that wishes that you now when you re- retrospectively look at it, you used to say, oh, no. It's just my wife that wanted me to change. I never wanted her to change. That's so rare. So like you can empathize. You can be like, okay, what's the way in which I wanted her to change? Let me do a deep dive. Because remember, all of Imago theory, which is a key theory underpinning how I and many others do couples counseling, even if they don't call it Imago theory, which is Imago theory is from Harville Hendricks's book, Getting the Love You Want, which I frequently um, recommend to people. But anyhow, what it says, and I've covered this numerous times in a very simplistic format, is that we are drawn to those who remind us of a caregiver, both in a positive and negative way. And so we take the negative traits that remind us of the caregiver that we find in our new attachment figure, our spouse, and we try to change them in ways that we could never change the parent when we were growing up. So a man who finds a woman who is kind of cold and not as affectionate as he would like... It probably had a kind of avoidant, cold attachment figure that he was always trying to get to be interested in him and pay attention to him and give him affection. And so the same sort of thing would go on in courtship. There's very few situations where if a guy is really honest with himself, he did not have hopes that a woman would change in some way after getting married. So this is like a, a thing that guys say all the time, oh, I didn't want her to change at all. Then when we talk about it in couples counseling, they see stuff like even when we were dating, like you always picked, you know, your family over me. Or even when we were dating, and I thought that when we got married or when we were dating, you said that you weren't comfortable yet having sex. But then I thought that when we got married. So there's all these ways that human beings fantasize they find somebody that is familiar to them on a deep level and then they fantasize that they through their love will be able to change this person such that they can finally get their needs met in ways that they did not get them met as a child this is even more meaningful this reparenting is even more meaningful if it comes from somebody that is similar to the parent and the family of origin with whom you had the most conflict so then you can if you change the this person, then you really feel like you have healed these deep inner wounds, which is why people try so valiantly and intensely to change their partners, despite otherwise being rational people. So if you get somebody that is similar to your parent, and whether they're too cold, too volatile, too absent, too angry, and you finally can change that person and get your needs met, that feels so good, then, you know, people can actually do this. I'm getting to that next. This isn't just all a lost cause. When when people actually do this, they do feel really good. And that is a fulfilling marriage. So in what ways then can people change? If you really want to take this as far as you can, once you empathize, then you can move forward and say, okay, fine. So I wanted them to change. They wanted me to change. I could see ways that both of us wanted each other to change. So what if I now try to change in the ways that they want, at least in some way? Then maybe they're going to try to change in the ways that I want and or maybe the, they will just become happy 
happier and a better version of themselves. So a man that spends all this time saying, she wants me to give a shit about the house. I don't give a shit if the house is clean or not, but I never did. So, you know, why is she up my ass for something? I never said I was going to be into cleaning the house when we were dating. So why does she think I'm going to turn into Mr. Swiffer cloth right now? Well, what if you did, (laughs) you know? What if you tried to bust your ass to be into the house, you know, and clean stuff in the house and be really into the house as much as you can and even say, hey, I think I, on my own, will start this house project. What if you became that dude? You know what? If you became that dude, it would be a lot more likely that she would turn into the person that actually did consider, you know, giving you a blowjob or whatever it is that you want. Not that I'm saying you should do a tit for tat because you should not. Things will always go badly if you do that. What I'm saying is that in a situation where people understand the deep human need of both themselves and their partner to feel like an agent of change within their marriage, an agent of change of the other person, that's not boundary crossing or crazy or whatever. That's literally human, like like that's being a human being. So a human being in an attachment relationship has a desire to change this person even slightly so that this person becomes more of what you want. And then you feel some of the 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 healing that you didn't get as a kid. You know how happy your kids are when like you do what they want? That's like a little um, like uh, that, that can show you how deep that need is wired. So, uh, like, if if your if your kid says, "You know what I want to do? I want to play this game that you fucking hate," right? And you finally say yes, they're like so happy. And if you want to make them even happier, you can be like, "Wow, thanks for introducing me to that game." Boy, they'd be so happy then. Well, your spouse is the same way. Everybody has an inner child, and your spouse's inner child would be so happy if you said, "Hey, you know what? I really do like it when we keep the house cleaner." your wife would just die if you said that like she'd be so happy if you're a guy who's always been like well I never like leading and blah 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 and it's not important to me and blah, blah 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 so you know she'd be super happy and of course on the other end I always use the sex examples for men if you said to your husband you know what like we're having sex more frequently now I'm prioritizing it and I really like it you know thanks for uh introducing me to that idea of not being celibate, um, <laughs> not being in a sexless marriage, this wacky idea. No, but I mean, even just having more sex or doing something different or whatever. The women that I see, sometimes I see this in the, you know, people say, do you ever have couples that succeed in couples counseling? Like, sure, I have many success stories. Some of them include um, people who are smart enough to say this and who genuinely use the couples counseling as a transformational event in their lives where at the, they do, in fact, say to their partner something like thanks for bringing me to couples counseling I really didn't think we needed it but I'm glad that we did it boy does that make somebody feel real good you know to have changed their spouse's mind about something like that or women that really do say yes I have thought about our sex life differently you know and and now thanks for for telling me to go to counseling and we are having more sex and I do like it Or men that say, thanks for telling me to read those books on parenting. I'm talking to our son differently and it seems to be working. So whenever a spouse feels like they made the spouse change in some good way or they introduce something, not only are they getting their needs met more now, but that the spouse actually likes doing it. This is an ideal outcome and one that I do see in motivated, intelligent couples. I mean, I really only see motivated, intelligent couples as a private paid clinician. But, um, you know, uh, everybody 
that comes in is not at the same level of motivation and enthusiasm, that's for sure. So if you are an open-mindedness, I guess that's really what I mean. Because intelligence is great and all, but open-mindedness is the key variable. And the people who start uh, counseling with an open-minded framework are usually the ones who will end up saying things like this and thereby transforming their relationship. I'm really just the conduit for people to, to learn and grow and become their best self within couples counseling. So anyhow, this uh, traversed a lot of ground, this podcast episode, but so maybe listen to it again if you want, but listen to it with your spouse because then you could say, all right, in what ways did we want to change each other? If we can really be honest, in what ways did it work and what ways didn't it? And in what ways could we maybe now change one another? You know, in what ways could we heal one another from the wounds that were inflicted unintentionally in our families of origin, thereby reparenting one another and helping and healing one another? And this conversation only works if you use the word thereby. So get it in there, okay? <laughs> But anyway, I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode and please do subscribe. Uh, somebody who subscribed said something on my page like, I really felt after listening to all the episodes that, you know, I should really support her. And man, I applaud that sentiment. <laughs> if you've gotten stuff out of this podcast and you really ethically really ought to subscribe. All right. Uh, talk to everybody soon. Bye-bye.